Hello, you guys, and welcome to Codebreaker, where we break the code on all things professional wrestling. And I just wanted to talk about the Clash of Champions pay-per-view last night. Um, I did watch the whole show. I did not watch it live, so I got done watching it in the early hours of the morning um, yesterday, or I, I, I guess today, but... I just wanted to post my thoughts on it, and so let's get right into it. So the show kicked off with the Braun and Seth versus Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode for the Raw Tag Titles, and this is what I expected to kick to be the first match on the main show because you're not gonna have them wrestle like so close together, wrestle like back-to-back -back matches because that would be kind of messed up, but you got to give them a little bit of a break in between matches to kind of rest up a little bit before they have to go out there again, but it's, but the Braun and Seth were actually working really well as a team from the start, and they were kind of dominating the match, at least in the early stages of the match. They were um, actually, I, I didn't know if they would, because they say they're friends and they respect each other, but I didn't know if they were gonna be able to coexist, you know, because they always do these storylines where it's the unlikely partners and you don't know if they're gonna be able to work together as a team and they're normally, like, individual competitors. I mean, I know Seth was in the Shield and he teamed with, um, Ambrose for a while again but it's it's kind of like a thing where you never know for sure so but it went pretty well but Rollins gave uh took a DDT from Dolph on the floor and that looked brutal it looked like he right spiked him kind of right on his head I don't know if that was like an intentional sell by Rollins because Rollins is such a good seller but it didn't look like it was very uh, pleasant to take. So then the heels beat down on Rollins for a while. And Braun finally gets the hot tag and he runs wild and he does his shoulder tackles and slams everybody around and kind of clears house for a while. And But the finish came when Braun... Um, Rude was coming for Rollins in the corner and... Rollins couldn't see him because he was busy with Ziggler, so Braun comes and shoulder tackles Robert Roode, trying to kind of save his partner from being attacked from behind, and he ends up shoulder tackling him right into Rollins, which caused uh, Rollins to fall down, and then when he turned around, Roode hit him with the glorious DDT for the pin, which was... Uh, new Raw Tag Team Champions, obviously, but uh, I kind of expected them to win because I didn't expect that they were going to retain the tag titles and then go on to fight each other in the main event. I didn't see that as something that would make sense, I guess, booking-wise or even like WWE booking-wise, so I kind of expected Rude and Ziggler to win, but... They've done all right as a team, I mean, especially for a makeshift team that was just kind of thrown together at the last second for 
somebody for Seth and Braun to face. They've actually done pretty good, and I guess supposedly Heyman's really high on uh, Robert Roode, a big fan of his, so he's trying to push him, but so that's why supposedly why Robert Roode's getting all the pins in the in these tag matches. But we cut to backstage with Braun, and he talks about how it's Seth's fault and Seth lost the titles for him and he's on a losing streak and he's gonna get these herns later in the night so that was the how that went and then we had a backstage interview uh cut to a different backstage interview in a different area i should say with becky lynch and she said sasha has everything to prove and she She's already proven everything. She beat Ronda Rousey, won the Royal Rumble, won two belts, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she doesn't have anything to prove and that she earned everything and she didn't get handed anything like Sasha said. And she didn't take Sasha's spot. She earned it. So it was a good promo, good, passionate promo, I thought. So then we got to what I thought personally was the weak part of the show. And that was Charlotte against Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, of course, Charlotte got the big pop, you know, because Charlotte, Ric Flair, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, like, a lot of people are asking, and myself included, like, is she the face? Is she going turning face by like default or circumstance i'm i'm not sure like it's not that big of a deal but i am curious as to like is she a face character now is she a heel character is she a tweener i'm i'm not exactly sure but she hit bailey with this huge big boot like seconds into the match and she almost got the three count off of it i was convinced that that was that might have been the finish, actually. They got me on that one. But Charlotte dominated a lot of the match. She threw her into the barricade a couple times. And Bailey didn't really get a whole lot of offense in. Like, the match itself was kind of meh, honestly, to me. But the finish is kind of what they were trying to get out of it, I guess. And that's that the referee pulled the turn pulled charlotte off of uh bailey because she was in the corner and you know charlotte was stomping on her and you're not supposed to do that and so he's uh pulling her off of uh bailey in the corner and while he's doing that charlotte's arguing with him and while he's distracted bailey pulls the padding off of the bottom turnbuckle and when Charlotte finally gets past the referee and goes back in to start attacking her again, uh, Bailey drops her into the exposed turnbuckle and pins her and retains the title, which, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like a slow build kind of thing to her actually being, like, actually turning heel because, I mean, she beat the crap out of uh, Becky with the chair but then, like, she hasn't really done much, like, heel-like since then. I mean, she's got more of an attitude and more of, like, an edginess to her. But she hasn't done anything, like, 
really heelish since so i thought it was a good idea with the way the finish and the way she won here but she sprinted from the building like the building was on fire like she ran from that ring like somebody had set like kane had set it on fire or something so yeah i thought the ending was good storytelling but the match was kind of eh and it kind of sucks that the King of the Ring match was moved to Raw as well. Like, I get that they probably did it for time purposes, so it wouldn't be like a four-hour show, four-and-a-half-hour show. But it just seemed kind of like the natural conclusion to the whole thing that it would conclude at the pay-per-view and they would have the finals at the pay-per-view but apparently i mean i guess that's not what they're doing but then we had the revival against the new day for the smackdown tag team titles and xavier woods is finally back uh complete with a knee brace from the attack weeks ago a few weeks ago by the revival and randy orton and on a side note, I hate that they killed the one fall chant. I mean, I've noticed it before, but I've never really mentioned it. Because, like, when I go to independent shows and stuff, I still I still do it and they still encourage it. So, it's just kind of weird. But that's just a random tangent. But the New Day was in control for the beginning portion of this match. Like, a good portion of it. But finally... Dawson came around and pulls Woods off the apron and Wilder clotheslines Biggie in this like huge clothesline off the apron that looked really cool and then the revival took control after that which Woods Xavier Woods he was down for a while after he got pulled off the apron and finally Biggie fights off the revival and he's ready to get the tag and then finally he's Xavier's back from the dead and gets the hot tag and cleans house but they were doing really well but then Biggie got taken out by a shatter machine on the outside and that took him out for the remainder of the match and it didn't really matter I mean it did matter but they hit Xavier Woods with the shatter machine and instead of pinning him they put him in an inverted figure four and he tapped out and so we have another uh back-to-back title change in this match and the match before so the revival cut a promo after the match and saying that we're welcome and we should consider ourselves revived and there won't be any more hip swivels and trombones and old school is back and Orton's gonna win later which he's not I mean I knew that before but I guess they gotta reference their buddy but it cut to backstage after that with Alexa and Nikki Cross um all and all of a sudden the boom mic came into the shot and I'm like what the hell is going on so then they panned out and it showed r-truth and carmella and they were disguised as like part of the production crew and him and alexa get into it until alexa finally announces that r-truth is there and 
here comes the jobber train and he runs off but that would come into play in the next match which was uh nikki and alexa versus mandy rose and sonia deville fire and desire for the women's tag team championships um alexa dressed as harley quinn i kind of thought that that was what she was supposed to be but then renee kind of confirmed it on commentary because i wasn't actually sure um i did notice though that i'm not really like an aesthetic person or like an appearance person but good lord mandy rose was really dark like tanning wise i mean she looked like she might be hispanic or something i mean instead of instead of white i mean she was very very dark but uh, alexa bliss and nikki cross were pretty much unstoppable to start out the match i mean they were dominating and then but then the 24 7 stuff reached the ring and truth is surrounded so alexa uh, smartly tries to roll him up and she, but she only gets a two count and but then that allowed um fire and desire to take control of the match but finally uh nikki nikki got in off the hot tag from alexa after alexa took a beating for a while and cross nikki cross actually picked up the win for their team with the top rope it was like her finish like her spinning neck breaker finish but it was from the top rope instead and it was pretty cool looking i just don't like that everybody's using this like spinning neck breaker type finish now like that's something that kind of bothers me honestly And then we had uh, The Miz versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the Intercontinental Championship. And Sammy was in his corner with a neck brace, though, from getting choke slammed by The Undertaker because he shouldn't have tried to trick and mouth off to The Undertaker because that's stupid. But anyway, Nakamura had a red cape. Um... I'm not sure why is he supposed to be like some sort of superhero or I'm I'm not sure what's going on with that but I said I literally said oh god as Sammy started doing commentary from ringside on the mic Leo Rush style and it was very annoying and stupid and not like in a I hate the heel kind of way in a way like I wanted it to stop immediately and it was annoying but thank God they cut his mic off because that was going to suck. I was going to have to put my TV on mute probably. And after that, Miz threw the mic up the ramp. And I don't know why he did that because they had already shut the mic off. So why did he have to chuck it? Like that was just kind of random. But it all made sense once Nakamura attacked him after the distraction by Sammy. So I guess it was a means to an end, but it still didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So Miz takes out the knee of Nakamura in the ropes and hits the skull-crushing finale. But Zayn hops up on the apron, distracts the referee, so he doesn't actually get the three count. And Nakamura retains due to 
many instances of interference from Sami Zayn, and he hits the Kinshasa for the win, which was surprising because I honestly thought the way they were talking up Miz as this would be his ninth reign and tying Chris Jericho and how petty WWE can be sometimes in the way that they book things just to one-up like people that have left the company that are in different companies now. But I was honestly surprised they didn't put the title on Miz and they kept it on Nakamura. All right, so then we had what I thought was the high point of the pay-per-view in for my personal opinion and that was uh Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's title. Uh I think this is the match that I was looking forward to the most out of all the matches that they had on the card from advertised and it delivered for sure and it started with Becky slapping the hell out of Sasha I think that might have been a receipt for the accidentally hitting her in the head with the chair thing to start the match and she took the advantage off of that obviously and uh she kind of had an initial flurry of a lot of different offense that uh she got in on Sasha but Sasha finally took control and Sasha went up to the top rope later on for like uh I don't know if she was going for like a meteora or like a drop kick or what she was going for but she Becky caught her with a drop kick from the top rope so that looked pretty cool and then all of a sudden Becky got fired up and started beating on Sasha and Sasha did this crazy like jumping spinning kind of flipping bank statement counter which was really cool and looked really awesome but Becky ended up escaping the bank statement and they were kind of telling us the story of uh, frustration from both women because of uh, the fact that they can't put the other away and they're landing these big moves and they can't get the three count and the crowd was super into it as well like I thought the crowd in Charlotte was kind of eh for the most part of this pay-per-view but like they were pretty it sounded like they were pretty into this match at least on TV so I mean in person they probably definitely were so Becky uh the finish came when Becky accidentally uh hit the ref with the chair that Sasha actually introduced uh, before the ref stopped her and she tried to pull an Eddie Guerrero and use the chair, use a chair behind the ref's back, but that didn't work. She only got a two count, but Becky tries to swing it at Sasha because, you know, she doesn't care because a DQ, she still retains the title, so it doesn't matter. But she ends up accidentally hitting the ref and the ref takes a ref bump. But they continue to brawl, like, out into the crowd, up and around, like, the concourse area, and uh, Sasha gets mustard poured on her from one of the uh, food stands, and so that was so that was pretty funny but Becky basically beat her ass like all the way around the outside of the ring and 
they finally got back to the ring. The ref is still dead. Like, I thought the match was still continuing at this point, but I guess the match had ended in DQ when she hit the ref, but, like, I didn't hear a bell. Maybe I just didn't hear it, but I didn't hear the bell ring or anything. I thought the match was still in progress when they came back to the ring, and I'm like, oh, God, oh man, the ref's still dead. How's this going to work? But Becky destroyed Sasha with the chair, and she puts her in the disarmor through the chair, but uh, the the agents and security and refs and stuff came out to pull her off of Sasha, and this always happens with the with the babyface character when they're laying into the heel character security or whatever always comes down to like pull them apart and stuff, but then when it's the other way around with the heel laying into the into the face then nobody comes out to help and they just do whatever they want i mean i know it's to get heel heat but like if you really think about it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense the way they do that but so it ended in disqualification because becky killed the ref with the chair and so sasha won the match but becky retained the title and I thought this was the high point of of the pay-per-view for me personally. It was definitely the most interesting feud they had going into the show, in my opinion, besides maybe Orton and Kofi Kingston, which actually that was the next match, so let's get into that. Um, this was a good back-and-forth uh, match. They started out kind of feeling each other out and... They had a good back and forth uh, between the two of them, trying to kind of one-up each other. and But Orton ends up selling a fake uh, eye injury and tries to walk out of... Basically, he tries to walk out of the arena, but he stops and comes back, and Kofi's doing his, like, Orton pose, as I call it, where in the turnbuckle to mock him or whatever, and... Orton gives him a thumb to the eye, which would actually happen a couple times in the match. It, he beats the crap out of Kofi on the outside and drops him on the announce table. You know, that one of the signature kind of becomes... It's become kind of the signature of Orton, like, the way he just, like, kind of just picks somebody up and drops them on the... I don't know if you can even call it, like, a suplex because he just kind of picks them up and drops them on the table and threw him into the barricade and but Kofi ended up making his comeback and the finish came when Orton teased the punk kick and the crowd didn't really react at all I don't know if it's because he hasn't done it in years or because they didn't think he was actually going to do it but I kind of popped a little bit for him teasing that he was going to hit the punk kick but he got reversed into a trouble into the trouble in paradise and Kofi picked up the win retaining the title I mean as he should have like Orton doesn't really need the title I mean I guess Kofi doesn't either but the longer we you can keep it on Kofi because uh, I don't think he's I'm not convinced he's getting a second run with the title so the longer you can keep it on him in this initial run, the better it is for him. But it was a good match. I enjoyed it. But then we had more lame Street Profits hype. Like I said, I like Street Profits on NXT. 
but on Raw, they're just way too over the top and obnoxious, and it's kind of annoying the way that they're that they're portrayed on Raw, like as the hype guys, but they're like too hype, I guess I would say. But King Booker made an appearance, so that kind of saved the segment at least for me, because at least he's always entertaining and not doesn't annoy me so that was nice and they get owned verbally by king booker because dawkins asks booker to knight him so he can tell the girl tell the ladies at the club he's the dark knight or something so that makes booker mad and he gets his catchphrase in of you did not just say that and also he comes back for the can you dig it sucker yeah that was kind of a bad booker t impression but you know i tried so then we transitioned right into roman reigns versus rowan in a no dq match and this as a storyline it's just gone on way too long in my opinion like why it didn't have to go on this long they're dragging it out honestly i think they could have done this match like at SummerSlam. i mean it had a pretty short build to it but like after the whole car attack thing they could have revealed that and done it at SummerSlam instead of dragging it out so long in my opinion because i don't think they're trying to go for like the cliffhanger type of tv but i don't think it's it's not interesting enough to me or really anybody else to be like good cliffhanger television like it's just kind of hokey and dumb like all it really needs to be even more hokey is for Rikishi to come out and say he did it for Brian or something but I highly doubt that's gonna happen but just saying like it's getting really needs to end and we need to get to roman versus daniel bryan because that's the match i believe they're trying to get to but it's taking way too long to get there but anyway roman attacks he gets out of the ring and attacks rowan before he even gets done with his entrance but rowan takes control with the back elbow and he pretty much controlled a majority of this match i mean like roman got some superman punches in and some offense in but rowan kind of pretty much threw him around i thought it was actually decent booking on their part to not just have roman go in there and beat the shit out of him and win but i thought i thought they booked it right it's just the storyline behind it i didn't like because it took way too long and rowan was also wearing these leather pants that i don't know what those were supposed to look like or if they were supposed to be celtic what they were supposed to be but they just looked weird honestly and i didn't really like them but that's just a random side note and there was one spot where roman's taking the announce table apart to assume to presumably put rowan through it but rowan comes sprinting from like out of the frame and like it was like he was the flash like it just came so fast and he hit rowan with the crossbody and it was almost like a squash for a lot of the match like rowan was just roman was just giving him a lot in this match a lot of offense he was selling for him uh probably for about half the match maybe more so that was pretty cool and the finish kind of made the match in my opinion it 
made it complete, and that was when Harper returned to help Rowan, uh, and he hit a discus clothesline on Roman, and Rowan uh, picked him up and hit him with the iron claw for the win, which I'm glad to see that Harper's back on TV because just to have him under contract and then just have him sitting there at home kind of sucks because I mean he hasn't really been used properly but he's a talented guy and he should be used more than he is or in a more meaningful way than he is and I'm glad it seems like they're kind of, they're going in that direction with him and they're booking him in a more meaningful way and they're not just going to have him sit at home until his contract expires and then maybe roll it oh find a reason to roll it back over and keep him longer or I don't know but I was really glad to see him back on TV people complained that oh they're teaming him with Rowan again but I actually don't mind it because it gets Harper back on TV at least he's working and at least he's doing something and it's not like something stupid or something that's gonna bury him so that was nice And then we cut to a Seth Rollins backstage promo. And he cut a very heated promo on Braun and, and talking about that he respects him and maybe even considers him a friend. But it's Rollins' time and not Braun's time. And he's going to add a monster to his collection, he says. Which this was a good promo, especially after the one that Braun cut earlier in the show after they lost the tag titles. So that was kind of... That was good. And then we had the main event, which was Seth Rollins versus Braun Strowman for the Universal title. I thought it was a decent enough match. I mean, Braun started out bulldozing Seth until Seth hit that jumping knee that he does on Braun. And it was kind of a little bit of a back and forth again, like like a lot of the matches on this show. And, but... Braun was kind of throwing him around like I mean like a monster should he's the monster among men he should be like throwing this smaller guy around and manhandling him and tossing him around in my opinion it was booked like it should have been in my opinion and at one point it was crazy because Braun hit like a top rope like super fly splash and I laughed because he almost and I was a little scared also because he almost biffed it uh, when he stood up to jump for the splash, he almost fell off the ropes, and I seen it. I saw him about fall, and I was like, oh, God, and then he saved it, and I was like, oh, good, because that was kind of funny yet scary at the same time, and at some point during this, Braun got a bloody nose. I don't know if it was, like, one of the knees from Rollins or what happened, but, yeah, he had a bloody nose, and I mainly noticed because the ref put the latex gloves on and normally whenever the ref puts those latex gloves on it's because somebody's bleeding and they're not supposed to be or they're just bleeding in general so I kind of look for where somebody might be bleeding when I see the ref with the latex gloves on but anyway Strowman kick so it went on for a while and Seth got a little offense in. Braun chucked him around like a rag doll. So that was pretty cool for 
for Braun, but what wasn't cool for Braun is that he ended up losing this match, and how he ended up losing it is Seth ended up giving him uh, one stomp, which he kicked out at one, like, before the referee had barely even got down there and counted one, and he kicked out. So, and then there was a second and a third, which Braun also kicked out of, and finally, finally, uh, Seth decided to go back to his authority architect days and hit a pedigree on Braun for, and then another stomp, excuse me, another stomp, uh, and finally got the pin on Braun after four stomps and a pedigree. I mean, it sucks still, though, that Braun lost this match. It was booked, the match, as it should have been. But it kind of sucks because he's, like... I think I saw a post the day after, and it said he's, like, 0-6 or something in Universal title matches. So it's, like, they can't really make him believable as a contender for the universal title anymore because he's already lost six opportunities and he hasn't really uh shown that he's changed in that one and it's like it's kind of like a Samoa Joe in that he's good and he's a good talker and he's big but when it comes to the big matches he can't win or like Bray Wyatt before he started this Firefly Funhouse and the Fiend character and stuff, he would talk these big spooky promos and how he was going to win the match and he was going to mess people up. But then, like, when it came down to it, he would always lose the actual match or lose the big match between him and whoever he was facing. And that's kind of the spot that Braun's in right now and it's kind of sad because at one point Braun was like the hottest or one of the hottest acts in the company like this past summer the summer before I believe was when he was super over but they've just kind of ran him into the ground but I'm okay with it though because I think I think the fiend is going to end up winning the title at Hell in a Cell against Rollins and I don't think Braun should have won the title held it for about a month or so three weeks and then dropped it to the Fiend because that would have looked just as bad possibly worse so I'm actually kind of glad that he didn't win but I wish they could have booked somebody else in this spot against Rollins because Braun didn't really need to take another loss for the Universal Championship, in my opinion. Because it just, like I said, it makes him kind of unbelievable as a, as a contender. So, after the match, The Fiend returned and he gave Seth a sister Abigail because the lights went out and when they came back on he had him in position for the for sister abigail which i didn't know if he was going to still use that move since he kind of inherited the mandible claw from mick foley and got mick foley's blessing to use the mandible claw but so i didn't know if he was actually going to end up still using sister abigail but i guess he is and he laid him out and then 
the lights went out again where you couldn't see him and then when they turned back on he was giving him uh he had him down on the ground and he's holding his dead body in one hand and his hurt glove to his head which i think was a cool touch that's one of the things i like about bray is that with his promos or his segments like this everything has a meaning and everything he puts in there is done for a reason it's not done just to do it there's nothing that's done like without forethought or planning beforehand about putting these different things in there so he holds his hurt glove to his head and he chokes seth out with the mandible claw for the finish for the pay-per-view which i actually thought was a good finish it kind of made the brawn thing more bearable too because the fiend got his got his licks in on rollins and finally like I know it was official because the arena leaked it already that the match was going to be official, but, like, he kind of made it more official by attacking him on the pay-per-view and, like, okay, this is definitely the way they're going to go with this. Because they hadn't done anything. He referenced it, but they hadn't done anything physical between them on TV, so I'm glad they waited for the pay-per-view to do that, and I think that might have been why they kept him off TV for uh, the Madison Square Garden shows, which, I I mean, I still think that was a mistake, but that might have been why he only wrestled the dark match on those shows, because they wanted to save him for the pay-per-view. But either way, I think he's winning the championship at Hell in a Cell. I don't think they're beating The Fiend yet. He's only had one television match against Balor, so I think it's way too early to beat him, at least clean. I mean, they could have, like, a no contest or a disqualification or something, but I don't see them beating The Fiend yet. Like, that would that would be terrible booking, and I'm not even a wrestling booker. I'm just a fan, and that I know that that would be terrible booking. So hopefully they don't do that. But that is your Clash of Champions review for 2019, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe and let me know what you think about what you thought about the show in the comments, and I will see you guys next time.